All right, good morning, Calvary Church. Good morning. You guys are here, right? The rest of us are like, they're getting their Weber charcoal grill going. They're trying to break a delicios to get their hot dogs for Labor Day. But you are here, uh, ready to worship and, and here together. And we're so glad you're here. If I've not met you, my name's Peter. I'm one of the guys on staff, and we're so glad that you're here. I'm excited about what God has for us in his word, and we're going to jump into that in a minute. But first, uh, just a couple of housekeeping things. We've done something different, and we have put on your chairs uh, the bulletins, you know, because we print them, and we want you to have them. So we're like, we're like the grub hub of church. We're just going to bring it right to you, right? So here, here's why we have that. We have that because it is hard to believe, but Next week is the middle of September, and next Sunday is when we kick off our fall launch here at Calvary Church, right? Kids are back in school. Everybody's in their routine. People should be back from summer. We're hoping that some folks who've been hanging out with us online who are able to come in person will come and be here because we miss them. And so we just want to make sure you know some information about what to expect and where we're going. So next week, September 11th, uh, we have our service kicking off at 9 o'clock. We're going to keep the 9 o'clock service times uh, for the time being, we're assessing that, right? We are going to have some overflow area that when this space gets filled up at that 9 o'clock service, we'll have a team that's going to direct you to that overflow space <clears throat> around the campus for you to go have the service with. So 9 o'clock service here together. We are kicking off uh, the book of Revelation, which I'm excited about. I've been, I got a notebook filled with colors and ink. I have no idea what it all means, but it sure looks interesting. But next week, we're going to be kicking off in the series in the book of Revelation. And um, I'm excited about it. It's a book that I've never taught through. <clears throat> it's a book that, hearing from you, um, sometimes you've never been to a church that's taught through it. And so we're excited about that, excited about what God has for it. Not because, like I say a lot when I problem with this. I don't think the world is ending tomorrow, although it could be, uh, but I do think as Christians, God's given us a vast array of books of the Bible, and we need to make sure we're understanding them all. And so we're going to jump into the book of Revelation. I think it's going to be applicable. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be engaging. If you know somebody who is not in a Bible-preaching good church who's been thinking about church, who's freaked out about going on in the world, somebody who's like, man, I don't understand that, man, this would be a great chance for you to invite them, and we'll walk through the book together. So that starts next Sunday, 9 o'clock. We are going to have, starting next week, a second hour, and next week is going to be a little different. We're going to feed you donuts and coffee, and the dentists in the house will be so grateful for all we do to rot your teeth. Um, and we're going to have a family meeting for <clears throat> us in here, and the purpose of the family meeting is... At Calvary, what we strive to do is to build a body of disciples who personally and collectively reach and impact others with God's love and truth. We strive to build a body of disciples who personally and collectively reach and impact others with God's love and truth. And so what we're going to do at our family meeting is we're just going to tell you some ways that we want to be helpful to you throughout the fall in that process, some new initiatives that we're doing. We're going to explain in some more detail uh, the Sunday school classes for adults that we'll be kicking off. Those are on the back of your bulletin. Those will be kicking off on the 18th. There's going to be four offerings offered at the second hour. We'll walk through that more next week at the family meeting. Uh, we'll walk through this resource that we want to give to you to help you personally grow as a disciple and a tool and a gift, and we'll explain that to you. We'll have opportunities. We're going to do a hard launch with two local ministry partnerships that throughout the summer, some of us through Urban Impact and Eye Care, we've partnered with. You guys did an amazing job with backpacks helping Urban Impact. We're going to explain that more to you and give you ways to collectively try to reach and impact other people with God's truth and love. We'll unpack that for you. We'll also tell you some ways that we're considering our team that oversees the building um, some, some uh, modifications to some space in our building to try to use that space more effectively to fulfill the vision. And we'll kind of tell you what we're thinking and why we're thinking about it. So all of that will be covered next week at the family meeting uh, at 1030. So we'd invite you to come to that. We're excited. We want you to know what's going on. We don't want to bore you. But if you feel like, man, it's the fall. I want to grow. I want to go. Then come to the family meeting and find out how we want to walk together into what God has for us both individually and as a church. And then on that, that following week, right next week, the week the 11th, we're kicking off all our ministry. So I'm not going to spend the next 47 minutes telling you what time middle school meets, about the cool retreat they're doing for students, about mops, about men's night. All of that is in 
the info world on our website or on our app. And so we will give you there's more content about what's coming on, but uh, we're not going to Grubhub that to you. So jump on our website, jump on our app, and find out when the ministry that's helping you grow or you're connected with launches. And then on the 18th, <clears throat> on Sunday, we're back in Revelation with classes that follow. Uh, and we'd encourage you, right, our desire, our expectation is that sometimes what it means to grow as a disciple, there's a relational aspect, there's a conduct aspect, and there's a content aspect. And so we want to be purposeful in helping provide content to you that will be meaningful to help you grow. And so we've got, you'll see it on the back, class on prayer, class on Christian leadership, a class walking through First Peter about what it means to be citizens of God's kingdom as your citizens of another kingdom. For those who are newer to Calvary or want to know more about Calvary or have questions about Calvary, you can party with me for a few weeks as we walk through this intro to Calvary class. Uh, and there's some really good offerings, and I think they'll be beneficial to you. So read the bulletin. If we can help you in any way, let us know. If you're visiting and you would love for us to reach out to you or your questions, there's a little card you can rip off. You can drop it in one of the brown, black, charcoal gray offering boxes that are positioned around. I always like to say it's not... Some of you don't even remember Pizza Hut. Anybody remember Pizza Hut? <clears throat> oh, good. All right. Well, I don't know if that's good or bad. Pizza Hut, there was always like the suggestion box, right, on the wall, like more pepperoni, less. Those aren't suggestion boxes. They're offering boxes. Uh, but we'd love for you to throw your visitor contact card in there as well. So a lot going on. We don't usually take this much time at the front of the service, but um, we're excited. We have an amazing ministry team that cares deeply for you and cares deeply for this church and cares deeply for our community and really wants to make a difference. And that's something that we're doing together as a body. And so we all want to be engaged and moving forward together into what God has for us this fall. So we wanted to pass that along. So grab the bulletin. You'll make Jim Taylor very sad if he comes back in here and sees, you know, 212 bulletins still sitting on the chair. So even if you just use it to like light your, you know, charcoal grill your smoker this weekend, we won't, we won't tell them, but grab one on your way out. So, all right, next week's Revelation, assuming that Jesus doesn't come back before then, that's when we're kicking off, and assuming Jesus doesn't come back in the next 40 seconds, we're wrapping up our sermon series that we've been in this summer, and so let me pray, and we will <clears throat> move into that. Uh, Father, thank you for the love you have for us. Thank you for the patience that you have for us. Thank you for the grace that you give to us. Thank you for your working in our lives, your steadfastness, your purposes, your kingdom. Thank you that you want us to be involved in the lives of other people, to encourage them and to share truth with them. And Father, as we open up your word. Um, you know, as you always know, exactly who's here and why we're here and what we're going through and what we're wrestling with. And so I trust the Holy Spirit in your sovereignty, Father, that these, we know you don't waste your word. And so will you please work through the words that the Son said centuries ago, Father, they're still relevant to us today. May we leave here understanding something more about what you're doing in our lives or how you want us to relate to you. Will this be a meaningful time that brings glory to you and brings encouragement and challenges to us. Help our church as we press into the fall, Lord, and um, as we strive to be purposeful and have an impact, we know that any fruit ultimately comes from you. And so we just pray that as leadership, we'll be listening to you, and as a body, we'll be just having joy, fellowshipping together and, and pressing into what you have for us. And uh, Will you enable us, Father, to bring hope to people who have fear and anxiety and worry and don't know about Jesus, um, that they may have hope and peace? And so thank you for this time, Father. We're grateful for you, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> well, this morning, no matter who you are or where you are, every single one of us in the room this morning is in one of four places spiritually. Every single one of us is in one of four different boxes and different categories spiritually. And whatever bucket you find yourself in spiritually, within that bucket there's all sorts of questions and all sorts of emotions and all sorts of feelings that you may be feeling. There's one bucket of people this morning who, for whatever reason, you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you don't believe that he's a substitute for you, 
uh, you haven't rested in that, there could be a lot of reasons. Maybe you're still here trying to understand, okay, who was Jesus? What does it mean? Maybe you don't know if you believe in Jesus. Maybe you know that you don't believe in Jesus, but for some reason you keep coming. There's one group of people, perhaps in the room or listening, and the bucket is that spiritually you're in a place where you're not in a relationship with the Father through Jesus. And then there's three other buckets, and in those three other places or other buckets are places where people who are in a relationship with Jesus would find themselves. If you call yourselves a Christian, then this morning you are in one of these three other places this morning. And it's those three places that we're going to talk about, and the reason we're not going to talk about this first place, we're going to talk about these three places, is because in the text that we're in, those are kind of the three categories that Jesus talks about. He talks about people who find themselves in those three categories. And so we're going to focus on, if you're a Christian, which one of these boxes are you and why are you there? And, and here's the reality. If you're a Christian, if you're in one of those three boxes this morning, you're in that place with all sorts of different emotions or all sorts of different <clears throat> feelings or all sorts of different thoughts. Maybe some of you today are in a place where you're discouraged. Maybe some of you are in a place where you're encouraged. Maybe some of you are in a place where there's unknowns. Maybe some of you are in a place where there's confidence. Maybe some of you are in a place where you're like, what is God doing? Maybe others of you are in a place where you're so grateful for what is God doing. Some of you are overwhelmed. Some of you are apathetic. Maybe some of you are wondering, has God given up on me? And I think what's really helpful sometimes is it's helpful to us to sometimes understand, okay, we're in this particular place. What place am I in? And when we understand the place in which we find ourselves, sometimes it then helps us process through what we're feeling in those places and what we're wondering in those places and what we're going through in those places. And so that's what we're going to talk about as a Christian this morning, if you're a Christian this morning. If you're not a Christian this morning, what I'd encourage you to do is jump on our website and listen to last week's sermon. Last week, uh, a man, a, a Someone engaged in our church who serves students uh, in this region, Zach, gave an amazing sermon on Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I think that would be helpful for you if you're trying to figure out who Jesus is. Encourage you to do that. And then for those of us who are Christians, right, we're going to think about where are we, what are we feeling there, and what might God be doing. Our text, if you've got a Bible or your device, is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. John 15, <clears throat> 1 through 10. And as we unpack that together, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see one kind of broad, big idea about spiritual growth and impact. One big idea about spiritual growth and impact. And then we're going to look at the three different places that we may be in and find a truth for each. One big idea about spiritual growth and impact. Three different categories and find a truth for each. Uh, and I'm going to start to be that annoying guy when we kick off next week, right? About grab a bulletin, bring a Bible. Grab, and you can bring your device, but I think as we get into Revelation, for the, it would be an amazing time for us to commit, hey, I'm going to have something in front of me that's not this, that I can scroll through or swipe through that's actually God's Word, and it might be good if you want to take some notes on Revelation. There are, if you want to be a yuppie, go get you a little moleskin journal right? Get you a little lectern 1917 journal. If you don't want to be yupty, go on amazon.com and get a knockoff one for like four bucks, right? Bring a journal, start taking notes. Um, and so this week, if you got a Bible, open up John 15, 1 through 10. Before we get into it, here's the context of where we are. This is the last of the I am statements. Throughout the summer, what we've been walking through is these, Jesus giving these different I am statements to his followers to help explain who he is and put it in context. These words that we're going to read today and unpack today are some of the final words that Jesus says literally just minutes, maybe an hour before he's, all right, hours before he's arrested. A few Hours after being arrested, he's going to be killed. These are some of the final words that Jesus gives hours before he's arrested and hours before he's murdered. He says these words to a group of people that he's been in a relationship with for about three years whose hearts are troubled. In John 14, he starts having a conversation with them about how everything's about to change about how what they expected, there's going to be a curveball, about how there's going to be upheaval. And we know that their hearts are troubled because as he's telling them these things like, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Part of what he says to them here is to try to bring encouragement 
to the troubled hearts. These guys, once Jesus returns back in heaven, he's going to hand his ministry off to them. And he's going to say, what you've seen me do, I'm passing the baton to you. I'm handing the ball off for you to run to get the touchdown. And these guys are going to literally turn the world upside down for God as they do that. And these words that he's giving to them are to give them some teaching and some training and some encouragement and some challenges as they do that. These words are given to guys who are going to fail. A few hours after these words, right, Peter blows it big time. There's going to be guys who doubt. There's going to be guys who drop the ball. These words that Jesus gives in this last hour are given to encourage them. They're given so that they won't be anxious. They're given to give them some advice and some tips and some input about what they're supposed to know as they're doing ministry for God. And they're giving to guys and to people who he knows as he's speaking it are going to mess up. Who he knows as he's saying these words are going to drop the ball. And maybe they're going to remember some of the words that he says and what he still might be doing. And you know what? This morning, these words are giving to us. Because maybe some of us have troubled hearts. These words are given to us to give us some knowledge and some information as you're trying to press into what God has for you and to spread his kingdom as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, in your career, as a neighbor, right, in your ministry. These are some, some context to help you. These words are given to us this morning because we blow it and we drop the ball. And we need to know what God does and how God works. Many scholars think that Jesus actually said these words as he was walking. If you ever watched the walk, West Wing, right? The West Wing, great show, right? Makes me want to be the president. Well, great, right? And they had this deal, like the big deal in the West Wing was let's walk and talk, walk and talk. They're always walking. They're always talking, right? Zipping around the White House. Well, many scholars think that Jesus is doing a walk and talk. And they think that because in chapter 14 as it ends, these are the, the sentence that Jesus says right before he says what he says in chapter 15. He says, rise, let us go from here. These guys have been hanging in at a house. Jesus says, rise. Hey, let's go. And so what scholars think is they start going for a walk, right? And they would be walking, because we know what happens later, uh, through this valley where there would be vineyards and there would be olives and there would be gardens. And so a lot of people think as they're going on that walk, literally walking through these shrubs and these olive trees and these gardens and these vines, Jesus says these words to them, starting in verse 1 of chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are garden, thrown, grown, gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me... And my words abide on you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, let me just take a little time out there, drop a footnote, because we're not going to unpack this in the sermon. For many people, that is the most confusing, one of the most confusing verses of the Bible, right? Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So some of you are like, bro, man, I'm going to ask me for a 47-foot Boston whaler. And when I get in my park driveway, there's going to be one because Jesus says, ask for your wish and we're done for you. This is not what Jesus is saying. We, we know throughout Scripture there are countless numbers of unanswered prayers. Paul asks Jesus to do something. The Father does it. Take this thorn away from me. Never does. The Bible is filled with unanswered prayers. So this obviously isn't some magic genie ring. What, what this is saying in the larger context is, you know what, if you're abiding in Jesus... Remember, just dropping a footnote here. If you're abiding in Jesus, then your desires are going to be shaped to be the desires of Jesus. 
And you will ask for the very things that Jesus wants you to ask for. You will ask for the very things that align with Jesus' will. And because those things align with Jesus' will, and they're the very things you want to be prioritizing, then Jesus will give to you those things. You are not going to get a free bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich from Bagel King this morning just if you start praying for it. Well, maybe you will. I don't know. But it's not a blanket promise. So just wanted to clear that up because we're not going to hit it later. So... Right? Ask whatever you wish and will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Walking through gardens with vines and with bushes and with branches, Jesus talks about branches and vines and fruit. And, and there's one big overarching point that he wants to bring here, and he kind of hit it in two different verses. In verse 1, he said these words. I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches, right? So here's what Jesus is saying, right? Jesus is the vine. We're some branches running off that vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. In that culture, it would be the vine dresser. Kind of a cool word, right? The vine dresser who was in charge of what happened to that vine. The vine dresser would be the one that would take care of it. He would be one to make sure the branches were healthy. He would care about it. He would be concerned about it. He would be focused on it. He would spend his time thinking about what can I do to set this vine up and the branches up to be in the best chance to bear the fruit that I want it to bear. The vine dresser would do what needed to be done to make sure that the vine and the branches were healthy, vibrant, and growing. And right off the bat, what Jesus is trying to do is put some context for these guys about some roles. And what he's trying to convey to them is this, that just like that vine dresser cares about the vine and the branches, God cares about you. And he is taking care of you. And he wants you to spiritually flourish. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to grow in the type of thing that he has created you to be. He wants you and he is willing to do what needs to be done to make you vibrant, to make you healthy, to make you fruitful, and to make you strong. Here's the first big idea about your spiritual growth and impact. Your loving Father today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're wondering, no matter what you're doubting, no matter where you are, your loving Father today is sovereignly working to spiritually grow you. One of the passages we talk about a lot here is Ephesians 2.10, right? How God created you beforehand, his workmanship, to do the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. There are particular ways that he wants to use you and work through you. There is something that he is doing in your story, even if you don't know it, even if you don't believe it. The goal of your life here on earth, right? Glorify God, and look like more like Jesus when you next see Jesus. It's not to have every question answered. It's not to necessarily have a 40-foot Boston whaler that everybody's envious about. It's not to get into the college of your dreams. It's not to have the 401k that you wish you had. It's not to be trouble-free. The goal is for us to bring glory to God and to every day look a little more like Jesus. And to do the good works they've prepared in advance for you to do. And you have a heavenly father who loves you so much that he is committed to sovereignly working in your life to spiritually grow you. God is for you. God is for you. He knows you. He made you. He has purposes for you. He doesn't give up on you, and he's taking care of you. And with that, after Jesus sets that up, with a sovereign heavenly Father who's working to spiritually grow you, me and you, you and me, we are in one of three buckets this morning then. 
And so what's the first potential place that we find ourselves? Okay, verse 2, he's going to start unpacking some plants. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, right? So first bucket, using this analogy, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. This phrase, in me, hugely important phrase, because throughout the rest of this metaphor, there's lots of commentators and theologians and scholars who are split about is Jesus talking, when is Jesus talking about Christians? Is he only talking about Christians? What phrases deal with non-Christians? Some people, some scholars think that this first phrase, every branch of me that does not bear fruit he takes away, is referring to non-Christians. Uh, I don't think that's true because this phrase, in me, is referring to people who are in relationship with Jesus. The, the identity of the people is being addressed here are people who are in Christ, right, in me. They're in a relationship with Jesus. And I personally think, as a lot of scholars do, that throughout this whole analogy, it's referencing people in a relationship with Jesus. Others disagree. They may be right. I may be right. I just, I'm taking, I think the in me is so telling, right? And it comes up a lot. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, there's one branch right? That they're in me. They're in a relationship with me. But for whatever reason, they're not bearing fruit. In me, but not spiritually growing. Not maturing. You look at their lives and you're like, bro, what's going on? Like they have a genuine relationship with Jesus, but there's, there's chaos. There's disorder. There's, they're not moving ahead. And what does the farmer do with that branch, what does the father do with us? Well, the next phrase tells us, right? Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Takes away. Next big clause to understand. Takes away can mean two different things. One thing, it can mean like it did with my garbage last night. Last night, I got in my Toyota 4Runner, squeaking like crazy, Dog hair flying around because my lab's been in it. Rust on the bumper. And I went up to the amazing suburb of Monroe, Connecticut. Okay, great. No Monroe fans in the house. We have the Monroe first, former first selectman, so I always like to throw out a little attaboy for him, right? The, the, the Monroe. I went up. I went to the Monroe Fish Market. I got me because the Florida Gators were playing. Go Gators. They won. It's amazing, right? Last night, college football. Woo! I, I got me some grouper. Because in Florida, a fish called grouper. We see it all the time. So I got some grouper. I put it on the grill. It was tasty. It was good. We, we had that nasty wrapping piece of paper that they put the fish. Anybody here buy fish? Anybody here ever seen a fish? <laughs> okay. Just making sure y'all are still tracking with me, right? Well, if you buy fish, they put in that paper. And then after about four minutes, it starts smelling really bad, right? So we put that in my garbage can. And then... We didn't, you know, we didn't eat all the fish, and so there was a little bit extra fish left, though. I put that in the garbage can. We had a red onion, because we made a, ma uh, a mango salsa thingy with some red. And here's what I knew. I knew, man, I got me some nasty fish wrappers. I got me some fish. I got me a red onion in that bag. I, I got to take this thing away, right? So you know what I did? I took it away. I removed it from my house. I took it to my neighbor's trash can and kept it there safely. <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't think. It was dark. It's very confusing. Whose yard is hard? Okay, so one thing that this idea is taking away is it could mean what it meant for me with my garbage. Like you take something and you get it away. You remove it, right? There's another meaning, though, in agricultural settings, in this setting, in the, the, this time period, about what this takes away is. It can be remove, or it is, it is sometimes often meant this other phrase of picked up, lifted up picked up, lifted up. In this setting, what a farmer would do in the spring with certain branches that weren't bearing fruit is he would pick it up, he would lift it up. It is the spring. Jesus is talking about this analogy about a plant that doesn't have fruit and how the vine dresser removes it, takes it away, right? What this meaning, 99% sure means is this idea of not removing it to the trash, but picking it up, lifting it up tending to it. What the vine dresser with these vines in this culture would do when there'd be a little bit of the vine that didn't have no grapes or any olives yet, that was in the mud or had some bugs on it or there were parasites or there was something on that vine that was keeping it from bearing fruitful. The farmer would go over and he would 
pick it up. He would lift it up. He would tend to it to remove from it the very things that were keeping it from bearing fruit by washing it, by cleaning it, because he cared about it. And the whole goal of that farmer in that time was to take something that wasn't fruitful and growing and to help it and to do something to it so that the next season, man, it wouldn't need picked up anymore because it would be growing. It would be strong. It would be healthy. We have hydrangea plants in our front yard. And when it used to rain and be windy here in Connecticut, uh, at one time, you know, before one of them got really grown and full and perfect, it, it, it blew over because it was growing weird. And so there's this hydrangea plant in my front yard that's starting to try to want to grow, but man, it's laying in the dirt. There were like ants running across where the flowers should be. It's muddy. Like literally, there was like sloppy, muddy, mulchy stuff on them. And so you know what I did? Not because I'm a good Christian knows the peril, because like, man, I paid $80 for this hydrangea. I, I picked it up. Picked it up out of the mud, out of where the ants were. I tied it to a stake so that, man, it could grow and it could flourish. And maybe, right, the question is, well, Peter, that's great. We've talked about fish. We've talked about garbage. We've talked about hydro. What does it have to do with us? Here's what it has to do with you this morning and me this morning. Maybe some of us, man, the first place we're being in is we're being picked up. We're, we're being picked up. And maybe your story is you're not bearing fruit, could be a ton of reasons for that. And what God is saying is, man, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not done with you. You are my child. I made you. I know what I want to do through you. And so I'm not going to just chop you off and throw you away. I'm going to come over to you and I'm going to pick you up. But part of that picking up means I'm going to remove from you what it may be that's keeping you from being fruitful. Your heavenly Father loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you not growing and fruitless. He loves you so much he'll remove from you the dirty things that are keeping you from being the person he wants you to be. He will clean you of those things. Those parasites that are holding you back, man, he's willing to come along and get rid of them. Here's the truth to know. When you're, being in, when you're being picked up. When you need help growing, God is there to help you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Then, maybe that's where some of you are this morning. There's, maybe you're in a different place this morning. You're like, man, man, I appreciate that. There was a time in my life where I wasn't growing, where you couldn't see fruit, but maybe what you're saying, and you're grateful for what God's done and how he's worked, and you didn't understand why then, but now you do, and it's put you to a place where you're like, bro, I got some fruit today, right? Thanks to God. There's some change. There's some life change. There's some impact. There's some fruit. So maybe this morning, you're not in a place where there's no fruit. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I mean, I'm not an angel, but there is fruit. God's done some stuff. Well, it's interesting what Jesus says happens to people who have fruit in their lives. What does God do to them? How does God act? Well, the second part of verse 2, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I kind of wish it just said, every branch of me that does bear fruit, he just lets chill, right? He just lets ride. He just lets coast. But he doesn't say that. He says, every branch of me that does bear fruit, that does have Christ-likeness, that is loving their kids the way a parent should love their kids, that is watching their words, that is had poured into the love of Jesus and to other people. There's fruit in your life, and so what Jesus says happens to that branch is it's going to get pruned so that it becomes more fruitful. 
pruning. We did this yesterday. Um, if I was more tech savvy, I would have taken a video of our family pruning our trees. You know what happens when you prune your trees. I didn't have time to go to Home Depot to get a tree to prune up here for you. But when you prune a tree, there's part of the tree that looks good. There's part of the tree that's fruitful. There's part of the tree that's green. And then there's random weird little offshoots and branches. And the truth is that those random weird offshoots and branches, they don't, not only do they not look really nice, but what they're going to end up doing is they're going to be taking things away from this. The, right? there, there's things that are needed to help this grow further, but this is going to be a distraction. This is going to remove it. This is going to take things in a direction you shouldn't do. And so what a gardener does, what a person does, is you get the shears and you snip. You snip. You prune things away because when by getting rid of those things, this that's already there becomes stronger and more robust and more fruitful and more healthy. It's not that this isn't healthy. It's just if these things remain there, they're going to start to make this a little weaker because they're going to be taking what's valuable off here and distract and take away instead of helping this flourish. And pruning can sometimes have different methods and ways. Bonsai trees. My grandmother used to have a bonsai tree. You know what a bonsai tree is? It's like a 9,000-year-old tree that's about that high. And what people do, if you've seen Karate Kid, you've seen Karate Kid, you take little teeny scissors, and you take this little tree, and you just snip, 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 with like little tiny scissors, just a little snip here and there. Okay, all right. But then there's times where it's like, nah, the little scissors ain't going to cut it because I got this rose bush, and so I need to take the handheld clippers, right? Like the little big scissors, and you clip, clip, clip. Then there's time. This is the kind of pruning I like, right? I don't want me no bonsai scissors. I, I like the ones that you got to go crump, 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 right? Man, probably if you're a little tree, the little scissors, that doesn't hurt that much. This snip is a little more, okay, you kind of feel it. This thing, crunch. Branches are being like crunched off and going everywhere. Maybe some of you this morning, the season that you're in is a season of pruning. And pruning hurts. It does. Pruning, by definition, means cutting something off, which involves a sharp object snapping something away so that it can grow better so it can grow more healthy. You, you clip away things so that other things can be better positioned to support what's already growing well. And, and here's what we need to know the truth in that moment is, right, about pruning. And this seems a little counterintuitive, but here's the truth to know. You can flip it up there. <clears throat> when there is growth in your life, God lovingly removes things that hinder more growth. When there is growth in your life, God lovingly removes things that hinder more growth. Is God pruning you this morning? Is he cutting away something in your life? And it hurts. Maybe there's something in your life that you depend upon more than him. That's what you run to to make life work. That's what you depend upon to make it okay. That's what you think is going to solve the problem that your faith, that Jesus doesn't seem to be working this out fast enough. So that's really what's going to work it out. You know what God's doing? Snip. 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 Maybe he's pruning something you depend upon more than him. Maybe he's pruning a relationship that isn't good for you. Maybe he's pruning your pride. That hurts but he's doing it because he loves you and he's doing it because he's for you and he's doing it because he knows his plans for you and he's doing it because his purpose for you and because there's good works that he has created you in advance to do and a loving farmer is not going to let anything get in the way of the growth that he wants for his plant. To help our growth as Christians, some of us, sometimes God picks us up. Sometimes God prunes us. Those are two buckets. We're going to talk about a third bucket in just a minute. But, but the question is, is there anything that we can do in this process? So God so far has done the picking up. God so far has done the pruning. What, what can we do? Well, Jesus tells us in the next verses, right? If we want to be fruitful, if we want to grow, abide, 
in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide. Interestingly, in the Greek, it's not a suggestion. It's not a request. It's a command. It's something Jesus is telling these guys who are freaking out with anxiety. Abide. It's something Jesus is telling these guys who he knows he's about to pass off to them this challenge to change the world. And that is so overwhelming. And what he wants them to remember as they do the things in obedience to him is abide. When you think you're drowning, when you think you can't do it, when you're overwhelmed with what God has asked you to do, what he wants them to remember is this command, abide. When they blow it and they mess up, and they doubt, and they stumble, and they fall, and they fail. Abide. Abide. It's a word that means to remain in a constant, fixed position. It continues where it is. It doesn't run. It doesn't go. It doesn't stray. It abides. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to grow, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to experience that, remain fixed in me. Abide in me. We remain this connection to Jesus, and that is what causes the growth, right? He's the vine, the nutrients, what we need for our lives. It comes from that connection to him. So that sounds great. Well, how do we do that? Do we light some candles and listen to hymns and hope we feel like we're abiding? Jesus tells us, verse 10, one piece of abiding. Not the only piece, but one piece is this, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Obedience, according to Jesus, is a key to abiding. And what a weird cycle this is, right? It's like the the rain cycle, the precipitation cycle. What's that thing called? I don't know what it's called, right? Here's what he's saying. Like, if you want to abide in me, then you, as you obey, you abide. And as you abide, you will more obey. And as you obey, you more deeply abide. And as you more deeply abide, you more fully obey. And as you more fully obey, you will more deeply abide. And it's just this link of this circle of growth and progress that's all somehow linked with obedience. One way to abide, not necessarily only peace involved, but a clear peace of coin, Jesus says obedience. We could spend another whole sermon talking about how do we abide. We're not going to, but I think another aspect of abiding, remaining fixed, remaining constant is prayer. Is prayer. And if you want to know how well you're abiding, then honestly assess how well are you praying. And I don't even mean like are they flowery prayers. I mean as far as a priority. As far as a regular aspect of your life Every day we breathe in, we breathe out. It's part of what we do. It's part of the rhythm. It's part of what allows us to live and to grow and develop. That's what prayer should be. If you want to know if you're abiding, then take a look. Are you really engaging in moments, talking to your Father? Obedience, prayer. And I think another aspect of abiding is this constant reminder of ourselves that we're to abide. We're to abide. My calling is as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, a variety of other things. In each of those callings, to be a husband, to conduct myself the way I should in that, to be a parent, to try to do that well, to be a pastor, man, what's asked of me is so much beyond what I'm able to do. And many times in each of those things, it just becomes overwhelming. Like, okay, I, I can't do all this. <clears throat> you know what I have to remind myself like a circuit breaker in that moment? Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And sometimes what I need to do instead of freaking out and stressing and panicking and digging in harder or trying more, I just need to, whoa, I need to abide. 
This ain't my church. This is God's church. And I'm going to work hard, but if it goes well, hey, praise God, right? But I can't change your life. I can't. I can give advice. I can give you God's wisdom. But I'm not the Holy Spirit. And so you know what I do? Man, I work hard to abide. Abide. And I trust God for the fruit, as should you. Obey, pray, remind ourselves of the need to abide. <clears throat> it's one last bucket. It's one last group that he talks about. Again, I still think that this whole time Jesus has been talking about Christians. I still think Jesus has been talking about people who are in him, in him, in him. And I think that applies to this next category. And so here's the next group, right? He's just told you, guys, you're in a relationship with me. Now abide in me. Then he gives this interest. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. If anyone who does not abide in me, okay? So what many think and I think is that Jesus is saying is, look, here's why I want you to abide in me, but you're going to have a choice about whether or not you want to do that. And you're going to have a choice, and what he is saying is what happens to the people, the Christians, who are still in union with me, but not in abiding communion with me, what happens to them? Well, what happens to them is kind of what would happen to this amazing vine-like plant that I bought at the amazing Home Depot. Right? This, I couldn't really find a vine. This is the closest I had. It has these little, <clears throat> these little tendrily things, right? Some of these, I'll put it this way, it has these amazing flowers. It has these little deals flowing off it on this corner. These look green. These look nice. These look vibrant. They're all connected to the roots. I've been watering this. I bought this uh, Monday, okay? <clears throat> bought it Monday. On Monday, when I started doing the sermon and I bought that, I also did something else. You know what I did? I cut off one of the little vines, I cut off one of the little tendrils. I cut off one of the little things that used to be connected to this and growing in this and looking like this, and I just put it on my deck. And it doesn't <clears throat> look terrible now, but if you saw it, these little leaves are crinkled up. These two, three, four, five, six leaves are brown. They start to burn because these leaves aren't connected to the thing that gives them life. These leaves are never going to have a little flower on it, this branch, because it's not connected to the place that will help the fruit grow. This branch on its own, it, I can wave it around. I can throw the branch in the Bible to try to read the Bible on its own by itself. This branch can go over here, and it can, it can work as hard as it wants to try to grow some flowers and get life again, but it's never going to do it. It will never grow and thrive. Do you know why? Because it's not connected to the thing that will help it grow and thrive. It's withering. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, <clears throat> I'm the roots, right? I'm this thing. If you in me, someone who has union with me and relationship with me, chooses over time just simply not to abide in me because you want to try to do it on your own, you don't want to submit to me, you don't want to trust me, you don't want to depend on me, you don't want anything to do with me, then you're going to be like this little branch and the place that you're going to find yourself is a place of withering. <clears throat> of withering. And maybe this morning where some of us find ourselves is in this third place of withering. And here's this branch. Why do I want it? I'm not gonna, it's not going to do anything. I'm not going to be able to cut a flower off it. Nobody, everybody wants to look at this because man, nobody wants to look at this. It's ineffective. It's not helpful. And the reality about this, some of us maybe this morning are in a place of withering. And, and here's the truth to know, that we can choose not to abide with Jesus when can make us sidelined and ineffective. You can choose not to abide with Jesus, which over time will make you, because you've chosen sidelined, <clears throat> ineffective, withering. Now, 
on the first day, let, let me show you what this thing looked like. Day one, I cut it, right, on Monday. Woke up on Tuesday morning. On Tuesday morning, this separated branch looked exactly like this. It looked good. What was happening to it, the lack of life coming into it, hadn't yet caught up with it. And maybe that's you. Not abiding, but hey, so far you're able to pull it off on your own. So far you're working harder, trying better, doing more. Okay, you're able to look like you have life. You're able to look like nothing's happening to you. <clears throat> but over time, and one day, someday, there's going to be some withering. And you're not going to be what you were originally created to be because you're choosing not to abide. This morning, right, we, we can find ourselves in one of three places. And I'll ask the worship team to come up here and as we end our time together, man, you have a loving heavenly father who is committed to helping you grow spiritually. And we are in one of three places. Option number one is we're not bearing fruit. We're, we're, we're still trying to abide. We're not bearing fruit. And this morning, Jesus, this week, the Father's been picking you up to try to help you grow fruit. Maybe some of you are growing fruit, and there's an amazing thing God's doing, and he's got more plans for you, and so he's pruning you. Or maybe, for whatever reason, you've been trying to run solo and do it on your own without Jesus. And maybe there's some spiritually withering in your life. Three things I'd love for us to do just for homework this week. I want us to identify, to realize, and to ask. Identify, realize, and ask. I would love for you this morning to identify, hey, which one of those buckets do I think I'm in? Which one of those things do I think reflects my life? I want you to realize that no matter how you answer that question, God is for you. And then I want you to ask. If you put yourself in a place where you say, you know what, I'm being pruned, here's what I'd love for you to ask. What is God trying to teach you? What is God trying to teach you? We're going to sing this song together, right, which is a very fitting way to end the service. And I pray that's not just something you say before you run to the store to get hot dog buns for your weekend. I pray it's a commitment that we want to abide in Christ, that we want to abide in Christ. I'll invite you to stand, and we can worship together.